This is Americana Podcast, the 51st state. Welcome back, Americana podcast listeners. It seems we're back in that strange space and time where there are days that can be 70 degrees and sunny and beautiful, the birds are singing, and the blossoms on trees are beginning to light up the branches like holy and natural Christmas lights. And then the next day, we're right back into the holds of winter that every year seems to overstay its welcome. You get just a taste of the warmth in your bones, and it's enough to whet your appetite for all the things that feel so far away. Long walks outside, swimming, afternoons on restaurant patios with friends, and the sun not setting at 4.30 p.m. It's like a brief kind of nostalgia. We know we had these things. They were in our grasp just a few months ago. But a few months of darkness is enough to make it feel like it's that much longer. And it's in this liminal space that it's nice to reflect on some things that remind us of these warmer points of time. It's in the sunshine and humid air of the summer of 2022 that we sat down with John R. Miller and Chloe Edmund Stone. John is a singer-songwriter and a West Virginia native, originally from the Shenandoah Valley. A longtime songsmith, Miller has been running in the Appalachian circuit for a few years before settling in Nashville. His first studio album, Depreciated, was released in July of 2021. Miller's songwriting style is as natural as a flowing river and is backed by a voice that has a crackling warmth to it. It is friendly and picturesque, even in his darker moments across the album. Backed by harmonies and an almost familial-sounding fiddle playing by Chloe Edmund Stone, who was a founding member of the group Locust Honey, the album is all parts familiar and strange. So join us today as our host Robert Earl Keane speaks with John R. Miller and Chloe Edmund Stone about songwriting, fiddle tunes, and more. I'm your producer, Clara Rose, and this is Americana Podcast, The 51st State. Hello, everybody. My name is Robert Earl Keane, and you're listening to Americana Podcast, the 51st State. And our guests today are John R. Miller and Chloe Edmund Stone. It's Edmund Stone, correct? Yeah, yeah. that's it. And we are recording from East Tennessee State University, where Chloe went to school here. I did. I went here for a semester. Yeah, <laughs> a semester. <laughs> yeah. That, that was good. What, and they study some of the stuff you do when you play, right? Yeah, okay. that's actually why I came. Um, I was in school in Asheville, and then I um, decided to drop out. But then they were like, do you want a scholarship for playing old-time music? And I was like, okay. <laughs> so so I, I, I read uh, about uh, Arthur Smith. Is that where you did... Um, some studies on Arthur Smith? I did, yeah. yeah. Um, that was that was a couple of years ago, so uh-huh. it, was, it was later. But um, but yeah, uh-huh. I did do some studying with Arthur. Yeah, Not so with him, but I, 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 I don't know anything about him. Can you just give me a short summary? Arthur Smith, old-time fiddle player, is that exactly Yeah, he's You're a looking a at me like, uh, why, won't you, why don't you know that? <laughs> no, I'm not. He was the first president <laughs> of the United States. He, how do you not know? Yeah. Uh, 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 no, well, so a couple of years ago, I got a, um, like a, a grant through the Tennessee Arts Commission uh, to study with um, a friend of mine, Matt Combs, to, uh, to study the fiddling of Arthur Smith. And he was a Tennessee fiddler who basically kind of like bridge the gap between gra- gap between uh bluegrass and old time okay so no one really everyone was like 
playing square dances um, and like that was kind of the extent of the of the fiddle and then he kind of made it more of like a like a show uh-huh. and um, so yeah we were just kind of studying like those tunes and uh-huh. uh, it was really cool so just just for my own purposes what decade or age what time frame oh gosh. is he living or um he, i think i think well early 1900s um mm-hmm. i'm i don't remember when mm-hmm. he died mm-hmm. yeah. but it was a while ago yeah. so uh john i understand you uh remodel refinish old typewriters is <laughs> <laughs> I love I love this. Uh, <laughs> I uh, well, uh, it, it, I I wouldn't I wouldn't go so far as to say that I do uh, I do have a, a growing collection of them that I've kind of um, I just sort of got into while, while traveling around like because I use them um, and finding finding ones that look uh, you know like I might be able to fix them up and I'll take them and I'll. I'll clean them up and try to adjust them and align them as as best I can. But um, I'm definitely uh, not an accomplished tech in in any sense. You know, I just um, I, I just sort of collect them and 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 try to try to use them as much as I can and save them from whatever basement or garage they're languishing in. You know, yeah, sir. So, so do you use those in your songwriting at all? Do you ty- do-, do you type? I do now. Oh, excuse me. I do now, but um, uh, sometimes I, I'll I'll usually start uh, longhand. But I, in kind of my daily practice, when I, uh, I say daily, but it's as daily as I can get to it. But, oh yeah, I get um, that. <laughs> uh, when I'm at home, I, I try to do that. It feels it feels a little more lucid uh, to do it that way. And I can't do it on a computer. I've tried to just like I have too many distractions, you know. So, um, but yeah, it's a, uh, it, I've, I've found it to be a pretty, uh, fluid way of being able to get thoughts down and stuff uh-huh. and really enjoy the tactile, you know, immediate nature of it. And there's still people working on them, not nearly as many as there used to be, but there was a guy, there's a guy that just opened up a shop in Nashville, pretty close to, to where we're at. Um, Nashville. And these are, these are manual and typewriters, not like IBM. Yeah, no, or, yeah. no, they're not. Uh, I've actually never seen a Selectric in the wild. Those, those are really, <laughs> those are really fascinating to me. But, um, but yeah, like old uh, Underwood, Olivetti, um, Olympia, uh, old manual typewriters. Mm-hmm. People are still making ribbons for them and fixing mm-hmm. them up and stuff. So there's a whole like kind of world uh, of people that, that, are trying to keep these things going, you know, because no one's making them anymore, you know, not not like they used to. No, I I, I, do, I do love the whole like really having to push down on the on the keys to make yeah. it all happen. Yeah, there's know? kind of a there's kind of a flick that you uh-huh. that you kind of uh, get into a rhythm with it. It's it's almost like learning to play an instrument a little bit to get mm-hmm. to get good at it. Mm-hmm. If you if you're only used to doing it on a computer, it's a it's it's a pretty pretty fun experience, but. Mm-hmm. So uh, I understand you started playing when you were about fourteen. Is, is that yeah, I, that was when I first started trying to learn guitar. Um, I was kind of, you know, I was kind of punk bands and stuff, and um, and my my dad had an old classical nylon string guitar in the closet that I never seen him get out at all, but I know it was in there, so I took it and started trying to learn power chords on it, you know. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, got got G C and D on a on the classical guitar and I was chugging away. Uh eventually um put a put a hole through the top of that guitar accidentally because I was goofing off and then I just kinda taped it up and put it back in the closet and he didn't discover that until way <laughs> later. But um but yeah, that was a uh, that was when I first started trying to kinda teach myself music and everything, you know. So here on our Americana podcast, uh, we've talked to a number of songwriters who really did start out with a, a real interest in punk music. So, is, is that really what what kind of got you started? Was that, that yeah, something? Yeah, I mean, it it might have just been been the time and the place that I was at. You know, I I, um, I was sort of a you know kind of an outsider kid and kind of got in with a group of uh, skateboard friends and you know we were kind of all into like descendants and jawbreaker and bands like that like uh 
uh, writing a lot of songs about food and girls and stuff, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, that was, uh, I don't know, it was, it was a, it was a good place to, to kind of start just picking up an instrument, and I didn't really learn about like like songwriters until uh, a few years later when I was like 18 or 19 and and then like my whole focus shifted back then I just kind of wanted to to you know play the local Raritan Hall with my friends and um you know we'd we'd we used to do that just kind of garage band stuff it was really fun um but uh I just kept kept going with it and wherever um my musical interests went I tried to kind of learn more about that as I went along and so when you did when you were doing the punk thing did you try your hand at songwriting at all did that any of the whole like chord lyric thing come together for you at that time at all I mean I'm not trying to show anybody my my 14 year old journals you know but I uh, <laughs> but yeah as soon as I learned three chords I was trying to write songs uh-huh. and you know again they were probably about pizza and girls and stuff but um but yeah i i that was an immediate like oh now i can uh now i have a form of expression you know now i can i I got i have something that's mine so that was um you know it was a pretty pretty big moment for me i think just kind of learning three chords so to transition from say like your 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 power chords and, and punk music into what you know, I consider it some pretty sophisticated finger picking that you do. Um, where where did that start? Where was that that transition, or what did you pick up on? Was it like a Merle Travis kind of thing, or Doc Watson kind of thing, or what was going on there? Who who was who were some of your influences in that way, and how did you get started there? Well, initially. Um when I was about 18 or 19, I was hanging out with with uh, with some guys who I ended up starting um, uh, like a like a string band with. I did did a lot of like fiddle tunes and songs in that uh, in that model. And um, one of them uh, had uh, a copy of John Prine's uh, Sessions at West 54th. Uh, performance from the late 90s and that was the first time that I had really seen that like that that was sort of uh, alien to me uh, at at the time and before that I had I I went to college for for a minute at WVU and had been sort of gravitating towards um, I guess more uh, I wouldn't say sophisticated more sophisticated songs but just like more musical songs um and uh i uh you know i i i think john i think john prine was the first time that i had really like seen something that it it was it was familiar to me even though i had never seen it before you know it was like a really strange kind of thing so i ended up just going down the total rabbit hole into songwriter land and and you know that was I found out about all the all the Texas guys and and did deep dives there and then like as as I kind of got into that I started trying to learn Travis Picking and Mississippi John Hurt was in there too and I started trying to learn a bunch of his stuff and John Fahey and um, Doc Watson of course and that was just all kind of tied in around the same time I was just kind of obsessively trying to learn new new stuff and kind of this whole world had opened up you know you play the melody and I can keep time You be the singer and I'll drink the wine I'm just looking for someone to love me uh, Back to those uh Songs. So you also have written some songs. Uh, Locust Honey. That was a band you put together. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was a s- string band. Um, that's how. I mean, I I knew John from before, but um, we kind of got to know each other when he played bass in in that band. Um, uh, you were the bass player. Yeah. I was. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it was a uh, um, with Meredith Watson and I um, and and a few other people rotating cast, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we did. I wrote songs for that band, and mm-hmm. we put out a few al- albums. And, and that was here in Johnson City, or that um, in Asheville. That was in Asheville. Yeah. How long were you in Asheville? 
I was in Nashville for a few years, uh, mm. uh, like three years and then two years or something. Yeah, so. beautiful town there. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. it's grown quite a bit, too, as well, right? It really has. Yeah, amazing. Did you ever, you lived over there, too, while you were playing the bass? I didn't. I actually, I, that was when I was living in West Virginia. They, um, Chloe called me, uh, this was 2014, mm -hmm. uh, and they had like a month-long tour that they were going on across the country, and I didn't really know any of them. I, I knew Chloe a little bit. And I didn't know any of the rest of them. And Chloe called me to do that tour. And I was just washing dishes at the time. So I said, sure, and hopped in their van, uh, sort of sight unseen. And uh, it was three girls and uh, who and John who didn't know any of us. And we were just like talking the whole way. Like we drove to California the first day. Or brave, something. John. Very <laughs> it was brave. Very there. brave. <laughs> when you got nothing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you know, I have to say, I, I've done my share of dishwashing. And I, anything but dishwashing. <laughs> yeah. At a point, right? You'll take anything. Yeah. Uh, so 2014 was when you put out your very first record, correct? Is that it? Yeah, that was a. Uh, yeah, I. I I kind of recorded recorded a bunch of songs um, with a buddy of mine, pretty close to to where I was living, and uh, just at his house. And um, it was kind of just after a band I'd been playing with for a while kind of split, and uh, didn't really. It was just it was just kind of a big empty space. So I was like, well, I'm just gonna get these songs down. So that's sort of uh, it was just kind of a way to get some bar gigs, you know, mm -hmm. and. Uh, and so is it an independent record that you put yeah, this out yeah. on? Yeah, 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 totally. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it's it, it's uh, it's it's just me and a guitar, and I play some upright bass on it, mm -hmm. and that's about it. But you know, it ended up getting me getting me a few gigs, and kind of got got started doing doing something. So, is it still in print? That, that record? I wouldn't say. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I just bas I just basically like. Uh, got some got some cds made up and some jewel cases you know and i was i had a, I, all said there are probably like maybe 300 of those 400 of those in existence uh, -huh. uh physically and uh it's 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 around the internet and stuff too but um it's and the a, name of that record service engines okay service engine. yeah. yeah and yeah it was just sort of a, co a collection of whatever i had sitting around at the time that could fill uh, enough space to justify putting it on a CD, and it kind of got me got me some regional gigs and got me, um, you know, got me able to to make a little s supplementary income to my my dishwashing salary. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Pop was always at his desk, and mother's always trying to rest. And you're the only one to rescue me. Hundred miles an hour, they say. We didn't think about it that way. We were only trying to get away, weren't we? My job. So the, um, you know, it's it sounds really clear and clean. I mean, it's, you know, for particularly like a, a relatively simple record where you know. It's, pretty much guitars and some bass and stuff right and yeah and yeah and it, it has a real nice punch to it you know it's sound, uh, like i was thinking uh everything has a price i guess is that the, is the song? Yeah. yeah oh my god you listen to it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no no it had a really it has a nice you know nice feel and uh it clips along really well and uh well, the songs are cool so so that just was one of those projects you sat down and somebody's studio and put that together yeah it was it basically my my friend paul kogel's um kind of kind of his little sort of home studio back house where he is he has like a an adat uh, machine and stuff and and uh we just he basically just said hey if you want to come in and you know record some songs and i was like i got some songs yeah sure and um that was just kind of how that that happened you know he was he's very generous with his time and he kind of did that with a with a bunch of our friends around the area i think he just really liked uh working on stuff and mm -hmm. so um yeah went in there and did that in just a couple of days and uh and then ended up doing doing the the, the next one with more musicians uh with him as well uh -huh. um but 
And what one is that called? Just so everybody that's listening knows. That one's called uh, "The Trouble You Follow," uh-huh. and that was that was the first one that I kind of did with with some purpose with mm-hmm. uh, with like got got buddies in to come and play drums and mandolin and pedal steel and stuff uh, and fiddle and Chloe came came by and played fiddle as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. Yeah. And, and, that, and that that was a lot of project for you, Chloe, or or. That was when I first started playing with John, and uh-huh. so I, yeah, I, I barely knew those songs, and I, and it was like, it was like three hours that I just like, learned them and played them, and uh-huh. and no, but it's still, it's still there. So, but you, you had some studio experience in all right. I mean, making yeah, locust yeah. honey <clears throat> stuff. So yeah, with locust honey, but honestly, like that was more fiddle tune driven like uh-huh. playing with john was kind of the first time i played tried to like back up songs uh-huh. more right um than just like play like have some words around fiddle tunes i mean we did songs a little bit with so uh, we don't we don't get to talk about this as much as i like to but when you are a player like on a record um and you're thinking in terms of like uh doing the best you can for the tune itself what what are you listening for um well i try to learn just the melody first Mm -hmm. and then um and then gosh i mean i i really tried to just stay out of the way of the of the words Mm -hmm. um and that took me a while to realize i needed to do i think um but i i really i honestly i listen to a song and sometimes if i'm like if i'm having trouble like thinking of something to do i will like just sing along like just like fills mm-hmm. and then i and then i learn them on the fiddle really <laughs> yeah so you'll, <laughs> you'll just la 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 yeah i'll just hum. be like yeah because yeah. i think i kind of i i like melodies a lot uh-huh. and um and it's easier they just come like really like intuitively i i and so i it's easier for me to just like sing them <laughs> right right so uh and then now as i like get more comfortable backing up songs i think that they come more intuitively to on the fiddle too so like i can do them at the same time which is the goal so within this intuition are, are you are you really paying attention to the words to to some extent or the nature of the song itself as far as like say if it's a narrative you know you're, you're talking about what kind of story we're talking about or if it's one of those songs that are observational uh, you're looking at uh you know what are we observing that kind of thing you know do you does that does that translate at all to your fiddle playing honestly probably not Uh um (laughs) 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 Uh, i mean obviously she's not listening to you (laughs) 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 if i if you asked me to sing back his song i i don't think i could could do it even if i listened to it a hundred hundreds of times but uh but not that I don't listen. Sing your songs. <laughs> yeah, not that I don't listen to the words when I'm enjoying a song. But when I'm, well, I mean it it seeps into it. But I'm not consciously doing it. I don't mm-hmm. think. But obviously, like the it comes into the nature of the song and the feel of everything. Like, um, sure. you know, something like Shenandoah Shakedown is like I don't know, just like more vibey and like it's like the and the words are never mind i'm just not gonna no i don't know no, 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 actually i was gonna get to that uh, <laughs> know shakes down to me uh, uh sounds you know a, a lot more abstract than some of his other songs yeah. and uh and def- definitely very po- poetic and uh so i mean i could see that as being you know a real vibe thing you'd want to grab hold of as opposed to you know a real story like i said totally yeah yeah so, so i so guess what to answer your question then yeah but just subconsciously yeah uh, well i mean <laughs> you've spoken like a true true <laughs> fiddle player who'll go you'll go yeah i'm gonna play uh i love you forever and you go uh what are you know <laughs> can you tell me a line or something and what key is that in you go well you know the title is i love you forever i don't know the title to your song give me something else i can grab on to oh the one that starts like do 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 yeah, yeah right. oh it's that one yeah yeah right uh, is it the one with the stop in the middle yeah it's the one with the stop yeah. in the middle okay yeah Where's my brand new sedan? Go with my brand new truck. And if we ever get cost effective, I'm pretty sure they won't sell all of us. Cause everything's gotta have a price. You 
Almost got a pain just to go outside. You gotta get a bigger ring for a better wife. Flying a big green flag behind the stars and strife. Might as well talk about that. Uh, the Shenandoah Shakedown is on Depreciated, right? That's the most recent one. It came yeah. out in 21. Is that July 21? Is that correct? Yeah, almost almost a year ago. Almost a year ago. And that uh, ended up on Rounder Records. Is that right? Right. Yep. So they, they did they hear the record first or they hear, hear you? Or how did that go? How did that play out? It's kind of funny how that happened. I, I um, so I d we did the record with my, my, uh, my buddy Justin Francis, who's a, a really great, uh, engineer and, and producer in town and, and our friend uh, Adam Meisterhans is an old friend of mine from um, West Virginia who who plays guitar all over the record and I've played in bands with him in the past and like I kind of wanted them to sort of double team the, the, the production of the record and kind of get a sort of a home team ad advantage on on that and you made but this one in Nashville Let me yeah we did it at, we did it at Sound Emporium in Nashville mm -hmm. and uh, when, as uh, the story as I've heard it, um, is that when Justin was mixing the record, there was another engineer in there that heard it, uh -huh. and um, like asked asked what it was, and and like Justin uh, asked if he could um, pass it along. Well, uh, <laughs> yeah, so he 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 passed it along to A and R um, at Concord, who actually got in touch with um, with. Uh, my friend and, and manager Ian Thornton and uh, uh, was interested in you know seeing if there was a, a, a home at, at Rounder for that mm -hmm. and it just kind of went from there it was kind of a weird like I don't really know how all the pieces fit together here but um, you know it ended up working out and I was, I was pretty grateful that it just kind of uh, seemed to find a home on its own because I was you know I was kind of planning on self-releasing if it came down to that and you know it uh sort of worked out so so th uh, there wasn't any like real delay as far as uh, you know making the record and being able to put it on uh, rounder that uh, just that all kind of fell into place yeah well it was a it was a it was a funny time you know we finished the record in january of 2020 that's when we recorded it, and mixing was done in, in february mm -hmm. so by the time we kind of had you know mixes in hand um everything was kind of shutting down and so things started moving really glacially mm -hmm. and uh you know it was just months of kind of talking like hey, it was uh, this still happening mm -hmm. awesome um so it ended up uh we ended up i think by that summer kind of getting uh getting the confirmation so it was a it may be, I, I don't know if, I, honestly, I don't really have a frame of reference for this because this is the first time that I've that I've had a record out on a, a, a label, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it it seemed like it may may have just been moving a little slower because uh, everything was moving very slowly at that time. Absolutely. Yeah. So, but once it, uh, once it was out, uh, how did you feel about it? Uh, it's, I mean, it's, pretty uh it's i'm i'm really proud of the record and um i uh I'm, I'm really glad that i got to do it with some really close friends and it it really like uh i don't know it was a it was a real um vote of, vote of confidence that that the decisions that i made uh to do that and to do it with people that i really care about um, ended up like being accepted uh, by somebody and and seemed to be pretty well received too. So I'm 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 very very satisfied and, and grateful that things kind of worked out the way they did. And uh, you know I think it's a cool record. I'm 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 pretty proud of it. So. Naked Shenandoah, shaking me down. Banks lined with foam. Saw you trembling, all wrapped up in a towel, afraid to go home. And the sky, frozen black, covered my wayward tracks as I left. 
So tell us about this the, the setup. Uh, once you've set up the, the, you know, the dates as far as going into the studio and who you're going to work with, it, it did, was this a like a, do drums and bass kind of uh, situation, or uh, you go in there and everybody sits down and just starts running the tunes? How, how did that work? We did. We it was. It was pretty quick. We did everything live except for a couple of overdubs after the fact. Um, and fortunately, most of the people that were playing were were um, people that had been kind of playing on the road uh, these songs for a minute. And we had like a few hours of like pre-production at my house the night before. Mm-hmm. And um, then we just the next day we went in and did three days of just live tracking including vocals of uh of everything and i think there might have been some percussion overdubs in in those in those tracking days and then after the fact we um we got a uh robbie crowd to come in and put some keys on it and we got uh we were very fortunate to have him and lucky to have russ paul come in and do a couple of uh pedal steel runs on some tunes and those were the only like in, uh, like post uh overdubs that we did everything else was live mm-hmm. so so basically you're talking about you know about a week's worth of work kind of thing that, yep that kind of thing and it was all wrapped up and, and then and then uh so these are all your songs any anything well for instance uh, like uh I, I really i really loved uh, i love anybody that's like is brave enough to create an instrumental and put an instrumental on there <laughs> like that and like that uh, what, what is it uh, something about the valley yeah what's left of the valley what's left um, of the valley really really beautiful beautiful piece uh, I thought yeah. yeah that was actually um, that was that was one that I'd kind of been fooling with for a little while but Chloe was actually the one who uh, con- convinced us to try it out for the record way to go to and Chloe yeah. yeah I just thought it was really yeah, it is and it was fun to play. Yeah. yeah, so we just kind of we just kind of tried it out and um, and ended up feeling pretty good. So so, yeah, what the hell? Just put it on there, you know. Uh-huh. I'm I really like I I love you know guitar music and stuff. And again, like you know John John Fahey, uh-huh. I'm a huge huge fan of that sort of style. And you know, I uh, I can't really play like that, but I. I really like guitar music that kind of flows that way, you know. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, well, I, I, I understand what you like say when you can't play like that because I can't even figure out some of the chords and stuff that he would use at some point. Yeah, so, well, it's it all in like... Like, whoa, discordant weirdness going on here. <laughs> <laughs> it's all in some pretty made-up made up tunings. I mean, yeah. chords is even generous. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. I, no, I, I I was a fan as well. You know, I mean, I love the early Vanguard stuff because it was pretty easy to pay attention to. But the, the yeah, older stuff got really experimental. Man, when he got when yeah when he got kind of got away from the more structured stuff and and started really experimenting, it's it's really fun to listen to. But I wouldn't even try to try to learn that stuff. Yeah, and I wouldn't even try to turn somebody on to it. <laughs> <laughs> they go, "What are you talking about? I already have a headache." Uh, so. <laughs> Uh, uh, well, um, uh, but also uh, like um, you know, there's some some re- really great tunes on there. There's uh, one in the middle. Um, uh, so, so tell tell me about c- coming down. I I I, uh, I felt like that, that had a really cool universal kind of theme to it, and it, and it you know, in that in that it speaks to a lot of people. Yeah, I, I I think so. That was actually that's the oldest song that made it to the record. I I wrote that song probably twelve years ago or so, and and played it with um with my old band that I that I had with Adam Meisterhans. About that band was called Prison Book Club, uh-huh. and uh, that was kind of where that song first first popped up, and then it just kind of uh, we stopped playing and kind of you know disappeared for a little while. Um, and uh, do you, you remember how you 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 know even even start since it's say the oldest song on the record? Do you remember how the song even got started or what the inspiration was behind that? Well, I think I had been I had been traveling for for a few years at that point, and that was kind of all I wanted 
to to do um, when I was when I was when I was growing up. I I um I think I I I always kind of felt this this sense of displacement uh, where I grew up and um, felt kind of this uh, like I like I was always kind of looking for where uh, where I was supposed to be or you know where I could where I could call home because it wasn't even like uh, it didn't even really feel like where I was from or lived you know and uh, you know I I think you know I, I read I like read on the road when I was like 17 and that like that's when you read it right and I, I got a so I got obsessed with the idea of, of traveling like I was like oh that's that's where I belong like nowhere you know <laughs> so I kind of uh, you know five or six years into that I, I, I started to, to wonder like where 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 am I where am I gonna end up here you know where am I actually supposed to be so I think that's probably about where that song where that song came about mm -hmm. uh, just trying to trace the thread back to nowhere now the sky is coming down can't you see the stars falling have yourself another round until you can't hear the darkness calling At Americana Podcast, it is our goal to define and expand on what makes Americana music what it is. And who could help us better than our friend and artist behind the upcoming book of photography, These Americans, Will Vogt. His book comes out later this spring, but for now, this is Will's pick. Serenity Prayer, from the album The Incredible Heat Machine by TK and the Holy Know-Nothings. Thousands of miles from the watchful eye of the Americana tastemakers in Nashville and Austin, there's a thriving scene of music in Portland, Oregon. Here you will find music that celebrates the life of the working man. This music is written and played by hard-working musicians who know well the life they sing about. One of the leading lights of this local music scene is Taylor Kingman. Operating out of the Laurel Thirst public house, known as The Thirst to its regulars, Kingsman has fronted multiple bands, but his current project, TK and the Holy Know-Nothings, is really worth a listen. Kingman describes his music of this particular project as psychedelic doom boogie. It is unclear what that really means, but it sounds like a well-crafted songwriting combined with rock beat. The Incredible Heart Machine was recorded in Enterprise, Oregon, a cowboy town at the foot of the snow-capped Wallowa Mountains. It was made live without overdubs on stage at the historic OK Theater. Kingman is backed by a band of local hotshot musicians. Jay Cobb Anderson on guitar, Louis Longmire on bass, Sidney Nash on keys, and Tyler Thompson on drums, who combine for a groove that complements his honest lyrics and unique vocals. The album is a nice modern take on garage band sound, but it's the lyrics that really set it apart. Kingman sings what he knows, and that is the life of a working man, musician and otherwise. The standout track on the album, Serenity Prayer, starts with one of the more colorful opening lines heard in a long time. Woke up today with a head swarm of mosquitoes, they were dropping like flies getting stuck drunk in stale mojitos. The song goes on to recount a day in the life of a musician with a keen eye for detail and an easy sense of humor. It is an uplifting, I'm making the best of my situation vibe that helps transform the brief account of a musician's day into a modern day parable. For that reason alone, it makes it Will's pick.
And then, and then old dance floor. I, you know, I love the um, way it's put together in kind of a, a vignette way where it's you have you and talking about you and your place in this particular setting, and then the person that you're talking about is in, in another place, really, and it, and it bounces kind of back and forth to where, it, and then it really pretty much comes together at the end. And uh, I don't know. Um, what I loved about it was it was it was like so observational all the way through both of those little vignettes, and then it's just kind of crushingly heartbreaking at the end where <laughs> and she's crying on the dance floor, and, and I just thought, oh my god, you know, this just is so you know, I I mean maybe I haven't been there in a in a dance hall like that, but in that same kind of disconnected yeah world that we live in sometimes. You know? It's kind of a what are what are we doing here right, kind of thing. Right, right. That was uh, that was really and and the two left feet thing was a good line. I really like that. Guy. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that that was I thought that was really good. I, I like um, um, and, and like I said, the the playing on on that record. You're playing. I, I'm assuming that most of the guitar playing was you, you're playing as far as like. A lot of the finger picking stuff. Yeah, all the all the finger picking stuff is is me and and I, I play play electric just like rhythm on a on a on a few of the tunes. Uh -huh. um, but Adam Adam does all the all the other guitars. Are, like the slides and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah right, right. And uh, you know, I, I noticed that you you stayed away from just you know like full blown like kind of a electric guitar licks and stuff like that. It it you know, it's from primarily relatively acoustic all the way through and then the electric stuff is sort of takes a back seat to it a little bit you know? yeah i feel like that's kind of the uh, i i feel like that's kind of the uh, uh intentional foundation you know it's still it's still a songwriter record um but it's it's got a it's just got a lot of bells and whistles we also like we like uh i felt like the 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 more sub subdued approach there like i really love like jj kale um and and the kind of very kind of unassuming subdued approach to electric guitar um kind of over like cool songs with nice grooves that's kind of that's kind of where my head was at um going into that so and did, and you, did you play on that record i did yeah yeah and did you sing on that record i did yeah, yeah. Yeah, all the harmonies. Yeah. So when you play the the violin, are you always playing the violin, or do you do other things like play the viola or any, any other string, string instruments? Or mm, no, just yeah. just the the fiddle. I I play a little guitar, and that's uh -huh. pretty that's right. pretty much where. Right. It and is. then how, how were so were you sang on it though, sang the yeah. harmonies and stuff. So how how did you choose the harmony parts? How do you go about doing that? I mean, is is it just sort of instinctual, or you think about you know, got to have this. You know, this little thing right here is gonna present itself a little bit bigger or something. Sometimes it's pretty obvious mm -hmm. if the song kind of shakes out that way. It's like, mm -hmm. okay, this is definitely a singing part. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, a lot of the time, I, I feel like it's it, it's um, it can also be sort of prohibited by by the lyrical content. Like I feel like a lot of the time, I th I think a lot. I I. I I think about whether a, whether a harmony vocal um, detracts from what what the what the line is like if it is uh, a pretty like intimate line or something that I I I feel like like only I can I can like take responsibility for right. it feels um, it feels like adding a harmony vocal in there might um, might I don't know uh, be disingenuous in a way you know but but. A lot, a lot of the time it's we we're we're looking for places where we can add accents like that and uh justin also was very helpful coming up with like he's he's got a really good sometimes you need you need someone there who's not in your head to yeah, sure. to figure out uh right. so, so a better perspective uh and and he was very helpful coming up with some of those placements
what's coming up for you, John? Ah, uh, well, we're uh, we're we're doing a few, a couple, few festivals this this summer and this year. We're um, we we uh, we kind of just wrapped up our our big band tour for the season, so we're uh, we're winding down. We're gonna hopefully uh, be going and making a new record before too long, and and you know. Just kind of going from there. I just keep on. Will that be with the same label, or you, you, who knows? You never know. You know. <laughs> I, you know, if they, uh, if they, if they have me, yeah. I guess. <laughs> sure. sure, I've had the opportunity to see you play live uh, a number of times now. Uh, I want to say, I can't really describe exactly what it is that y'all have as a duo when you play, but it is completely riveting for me. I just, I'm completely all in it's it's just this wonderful world that you create on your own and number one you, you get up there and you and you're clearly serious about what you're doing and you're playing like really great songs with really great you know fiddle playing going on and harmonies and stuff and it's it's one of those things that like just if you just pay attention for about 10 seconds it just completely sucks you in as far as like your world instead of like creating a world all, that we can all sit around in a bubble and eat sandwiches and drink Kool-Aid <laughs> you know it's more like here's the world that you're invited to or it's here's our party and you're invited and you can come in and do what you want to do but we're just here to like do what we do and we want you to enjoy it and it just is it just completely grabs me as far as that that way of being able to perform that way and I'm, 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 in some ways, I'm envious because I'm like, uh, you know, I've seen other performers and sometimes in my own things, I'm like, like working too hard to, you know, catch some attention or something. But it just, it's not that I'm not saying you're not working hard. You are working hard, but <laughs> you are working hard on like how, what a great sound you're putting out. What, you know, how you're putting out these, the great presentation of great songs. And so I just, well, wanted to say that that and I, um so when you go out on stage uh doesn't seem like there's any real nervousness or anything but at the same time there's a certain amount of like standing up there and, and doing the right thing and uh is that just does that just come naturally to you or do, do you think about it oh yeah every time i i overanalyze everything i'm over i'm overthinking uh i'm overthinking it all the time and then like you know when it's go time you just you just you just go uh -huh. but um but yeah I, I i still get i still get nervous uh, a little bit before just about every gig no matter what it is i don't i don't know i don't think that's ever going to leave me but it's just like one of those things like i know my, i'm going to break a string like that's uh -huh. going to happen first song it's going to and it has happened right. so <laughs> right. you know but uh, it's just uh i think it's just the maybe a sort of a fight or flight like the the uh, the old old brains just trying to get me ready for something. I don't know. Right. So, when you say uh, say like you encounter like a like a really rowdy crowd, I mean, how how do you handle that? Uh, well, I just start watching them. Uh huh. <laughs> I get that. I t I totally get that. Yeah, you know. I mean, I um, I'm I've 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 had plenty of. I used to the string band I used to play in. We used to play around one condenser mic, you know, and and we would play these like pretty pretty rough bars sometimes. And it's just us condenser mic, no monitors. People just like just going and doing their thing, drinking and getting in fights and stuff in some places. And so I guess I maybe pretty early on I got kind of desensitized to. To, to the action as sort of entertaining to me you know mm -hmm. so if and it doesn't really happen too often anymore honestly like mm -hmm. um but uh but you know when 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 people are really carrying on i just kind of i i enjoy that mm -hmm. uh i i just kind of sit back and watch their show too sure. you know <laughs> sure so, so chloe you just stand up there take letting him take the bullets or what <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I love, love a rowdy crowd. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's fun. Yeah, um, I mean, especially if they're rowdy and into it. Sure. If yeah. they're rowdy and just talking to each other, that's that's also it. Kind of takes the pressure off a little bit. Yeah. Um, 
But uh, I get the most nervous when people are just listening and quietly. Right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, have y'all ever played the Birchmere in D.C. Alexandria? Oh, actually, we have. Yeah, yeah we, we did, didn't we? Yeah. yeah. They listen there. They do. Yes. Oh, yes. And they listen really intense. <laughs> We'd, They're intense over there. Was that with the seldom scene? Was that? Yeah, we opened the, for seldom scene uh -huh. on New Year's one year. Oh boy, Locust Honey. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. It was interesting. Uh, uh, it was very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, no, it's it's one of my favorite rooms because you know the how the quiet they can be, and I always felt like it was one of those, one of the few places that, as an act, you can definitely play like your like your softest, most fragile songs, and people are going to listen. You know, they don't get you don't get wiped out by the noise, and you know and you also have an opportunity to talk uh, where you're not. Just because you started talking, that doesn't mean they all get to start talking, you know? Right, yeah. I spent countless hours walking among the rank and file, praying to some vague set of eyes that it's only. always trying to do is uh, expand and define Americana music and just talk about Americana a little bit. Do you consider yourselves an Americana act? I, well, yeah, I would say kind of, um, uh, it, it, it's a pretty big umbrella. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> mm -hmm. I, f I feel like we're standing under it, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So if you, if you had it like, could, could you give me what you would consider a definition definition of Americana or what really sets it apart from other other genres of music? Uh, I th I think there's a, I mean there's a there's a, a, a freedom in the approach. Uh, what there's definitely an aesthetic, but it's not. It it almost feel feels like there aren't really rules, but you kind of know it when you hear it, mm -hmm. a little bit. You know, it feels like people are people under that umbrella are, are more free to experiment with their songwriting in, than in say some more maybe some more conventional and strict um, genres or, or labels. You know, no, they, nobody nobody wants necessarily to be confined to one or pigeonholed to one thing. But uh, the the nice thing about um, Americana as a as a as a world and as an umbrella that that has so many wonderful um, musicians and artists under it is that it is so there's so much freedom uh -huh. within it. It's just so the it's so wide. You can you can really push push out um, and still be kind of you know in good company still around uh, people that um, seem to respect what you're doing. You know, absolutely, Chloe. That was very well said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what he said. No, but I mean, you know, what, what do you, what would you say defines Americana? Um, I would. I mean, I when I first think of it, I think like roots instruments. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, it's it's different than like country f to me. You know, twang and like kind of simple lyrics. Mm -hmm. Um, it's I feel like it's more. I don't want to say developed, but just in like different ways. Mm -hmm. um, maybe, maybe. Mm -hmm. But then there's also like, you know, you can play jam grass and sometimes it's in under the Americana umbrella. Like, mm -hmm. um, wow, that's. Yeah, I would venture to, I would, I would venture say to say that, 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 that traditional instruments aren't even a necess necessarily a prerequisite. Maybe there, maybe there ought to be an element of it. But like Danny, like Danny Barnes uses uh, uses like loops and and beats and stuff, and it went uh, like with his banjo stuff. And but there's a banjo. But stuff. there is a banjo. So yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wonder. Like, is that the only? the uh, the only tying factor is that you need like mandolin or banjo or or acoustic guitar or upright bass like like one of those maybe but there's just yeah you can kind of like you start in that center and then just like kind of go wherever you want mm -hmm. um but uh and then maybe more lyric 
focused mm -hmm. um, instead of, yeah, mm -hmm. the, the box of the song, you know, like right. you can kind of go where you want. I feel like overall it's, it's the, that the, the influences can, can span the entire breadth of like the, uh, the American music canon mm -hmm. and still be valid. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, what, regardless of whatever genre it falls under, like your influences could be, you know, you know, one of those American guys. <laughs> Just trying to run through the Rolodex of people that I should talk about. But <laughs> Are you working on any special projects? Um, I, I've played a few solo gigs in the last few months that mm -hmm. I, and I'm excited to kind of like to, to dabble in that a little bit. Um, and I, ha I haven't been writing as many songs like in the over COVID, like during the actual, like, uh, staying at home time as, that I wanted to, mm -hmm. um, that sentence didn't make any sense. Um, but right now I'm, I am excited to kind of like write some songs and I want to, um, John's got a cool like recording setup in the basement and mm -hmm. I would like to record some of these, um, mm -hmm. maybe do like an EP this year or something. Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't, I don't really, I mean, I don't really want to like tour a ton behind it. I, sure. I kind of like just like writing them and like putting them out. And then if a gig comes along, then sure. maybe I do it. I do have one extra question. I did, you know, like, when I was looking up some information about you and stuff, I got John Miller. So I'm reading into this, and it says, oh, he's born in 1945. <laughs> and, and, and I just kept going, and I went, this is, n no, he's not that old. And, I mean, it's not even by, you know, not even, he's not, he's like a third that old or something. And <laughs> what's going on with this? And so and then I thought, well, and I never did know the significance of the R. Is this, it? it can you give me that kind of a breakdown of what's going on here? Uh, yeah, well, first of all, yeah, there's a lot of John Millers out there. Yeah. Uh, I probably should have figured out a stage name, but it's too late now. Yeah. Um, uh, the R stands for Robert, actually. Oh, great. That's, that's, that's a good name. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're all about Thought it. about going by J-Bob, but. <laughs> so this other John Miller, do you know I'm talking? He's obviously a musician or something. If you pull him up, it's a lot. Of There's stuff. A, there was an old uh, like in the '70s. There yeah. was a, a folk a folk Apparently musician so. that yeah. I someone, someone sent, when I realized I was wasting my time. Yeah, someone someone sent me that, and I and I haven't I, like they just they just sent me that it exists. I haven't actually found it to to listen to what it is. Yeah. Um, I'm sure it's out there somewhere, but yeah, it's. I'm sure there's going to be another one uh, yeah. too after yeah. <laughs> after me. So well, no, yeah. I don't think there's any other John R. Miller. So I think it's working. For yeah, me. the yeah. R the R is uh, is really key here. Uh, so I just didn't know if that had anything to do with the one that I pulled up that I was like, oh, this is all wrong. Uh, was, there's one last uh, thing, and you know, this is a question to, to both of you. Um, uh, here at Americana Podcast. Uh, we uh, are always searching for. A new, I know that. You, there might be some on your record, but not a whole lot. So I don't know. This is a thought that you've had a lot, but we think about it a lot, and we feel like it's almost a crime that an instrument that is as beautiful and that makes so many great sounds and on so many records for so many years uh, is just known as the B3. We think it needs a new name, <laughs> and we were wanting to know if you might could. Give us a new name for the B3, and there are no wrong answers. And so, uh, you know, uh, Chloe, you have any? You, you have a? You have oh, a new name for the B3 organ? B3. Yeah. Um, God, the. Oh, this um, is it's good. Yeah, that is a good question. A drone pad. The the the. Uh, the. This is not a fiddle contest, Chloe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you don't have to get um, nervous. Yeah. Uh, let me think about this for a second. Okay, John, do you have any? Do you have a have a have a new name for the the B three? Uh, church box. Yeah, nice. We like that. Uh oh. Yeah, <laughs> you're on the spot. There are no wrong answers. Um. Hmm. 
Yeah. I, um, Ten seconds, Bob. Uh, oh my god she's gonna write her she's gonna write her answer ladies and gentlemen please please stay tuned (laughs) for our very next episode when Chloe will answer the question what is the new name for the B3 Uh, that's Chloe Edmondstone and John R. Miller and we really want to thank you for being part of Americana Podcast today this is our 34th episode and we uh, are recording here at East East Tennessee State University in Johnson City, Tennessee and I want to thank you so much. It's been a pleasure and I really, really have enjoyed it. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much. Very much. At Americana Podcast, we would like to thank our host, Robert Earl Keane, our guests, John R. Miller and Chloe Edmondstone. Americana Podcast is brought to you by Keane Productions, edited and produced by Clara Rose with original music by Kim Warner. Until next time, let the music play. Thank you.